You guys, welcome again. We'll start this like we've started every More to Life night this summer, which is thanks for braving the weather. Coming out when it looks cold, cloudy, and rainy and gross. You guys are awesome. Simply for that alone, you're awesome. But um, I wanted to let you guys know, I was going to put it up here again. Um, so this was the Wordle we created from the one word thing that we did. Geneva, on the high school leadership team, senior at the high school, took, uh, took our maker kits on the leadership retreat this past weekend and made bracelets for like the leadership peeps and did stuff that was cool. We went downtown and handed out like easily over 100 of these bracelets, made them for people. We took all the words, compiled the ones that we got from you guys here, the ones we got from high school students at the high school MTL edition, and all of the words that we could gather from people. And we put them into that weird, goofy program called Wordle. And it magnifies the words that were used more. So the larger the word, the more frequent we received that word. And then we put everything up there. Like, that's it. Interestingly enough, faith, love, inspire, strength, family, present, breathe, one, run. All big words, run, you know, getting active, getting out there, making it happen. But just wanted to show that to you guys again because I thought that was awesome. And to make a plug for August 28th. August 28th is another generosity experiment. We're taking the maker kits out to the streets. We're going to be in Frisco. From what time to what time? Yes, 5 to 7 p.m. in Frisco. Where in Frisco? You have to tell us you're coming before you get that information. So you have to say, yes, I will come. I'm going to show up. I want to help hammer out some bracelets or talk to people or help them think of words. People need help with the words. I mean, oh, never mind. If you got the email, you know where we're going. Obviously, I didn't read that one. But... Anyway, we're going to go do this again. We're going to see how many we can hand out. We're specifically trying to target some locals this time, I think, and trying to make sure we hit some people. Interesting story. I don't know if I shared this last time. There was a Sky alum who was back and visiting and didn't know that we were doing that with More to Life or anything. Um, kind of going through a difficult patch, a difficult time, and was out on a hike and came back home. And on the way back home, looked down and found a bracelet with a circle and two strings on it. And she picked it up and it had a word that she needed to hear that day. And it was the word believe. And she was, she texted me immediately and she's like, weren't you guys making these bracelets? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I literally just found this one on my walk and you know my story and this is my word. And so she's like wearing it now. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, not sure if someone dropped it or what. I didn't plant it. So it was extremely providence, not coincidence. Anyway, August 28th, 5 to 7 p.m., we are going to be doing that. But on to our topic for this evening that clearly I won't say, I mean, I believe the weather scared some people away. It wasn't the topic, right? Like, if you saw my little plug and I said, calling all creative creatures, did you guys think you were going to come and, like, do crafts tonight? That you're going to have to do something creative and it kind of made your anxiety level rise a little bit. You're not going to have to do that. This is a normal MTL night. You get to sit, you get to listen, you get to laugh. We are going to talk about something called creative living, though. 
creative living. And I want to start off with this word peace. Because man, the news sucks lately. It really does. I read something the other day and someone said, I'm just waiting for once to read something or turn on a show and just hear, you know, everything's good. <laughs> like things are taken care of. And this word peace, too often people think that this word is just about the absence of conflict. And I think this word goes a lot deeper. And I wanted to put this word up for you, shalom, which is a Hebrew word. We get our word peace from the Hebrew word shalom. And I grew up with a Christian perspective and a Christian story. And in that story, the word shalom is used a lot. And shalom is representative of a profound sense of wholeness and completeness. It's much further than just peace, as we kind of traditionally accept the definition. So I want to throw out this word shalom. Completeness, wholeness, peace, shalom. I want you to get a good sense of that word. Um, I grew up with the Christian story, that kind of background, and, and, it, and it, it all kind of begins with this story that like the world was created and there was shalom, that it was, com that it was like this place of, of completeness and of wholeness and of goodness. And the story mentions the word good a lot, this poem, and, and it even goes on to say that like, humanity was in this place to help it, to care for it, to like take it somewhere, you know? And I always like to point out with students, especially the whole word good, because good isn't the word perfect. Perfect is this other idea than the word good. Good is like, I mean, good is my mantra. I don't know. I have this perfectionist tendency, and I have to get to the place where I just say, it's good enough. It's good enough for me. I'll look at Ian and be like, is it good enough for you? It's good enough for her? It's good enough for me. It's not perfect. It's good enough. And this word good is used in this story of shalom so many times. And I love to point that out because good is not perfect. Perfect is static. It's the best it'll ever be. It's there. It's arrived. It's done. It's finished. Good leaves some room for growth and change and momentum. And I say the story that we're in right now is all about good. Because we're in a story that's changing and evolving and adapting, and there's movement to it. There's a trajectory of shalom to it. And that's good. It's not perfect, but it's good. And thank God, because if we didn't have movement... If we didn't have change, I could still look like this. <laughs> you guys would be stuck, stuck. And we know that's not perfect. This is the kind of picture only your mom can look at it and say, you're so cute. Like, seriously. Our stories about change, growth, movement, momentum, that's our story. It's good, it's not perfect. But it does have a trajectory of shalom. Shalom. A lot of people um, have read that story, that Christian perspective story that, that um, I kind of grew up with, 
and, and they've developed a theory around it, and I, and I like it, honestly. It's this idea that they see the world almost as broken. That it started somewhere, and it was broken, and now we help repairing it and fixing it and restoring it. I like that. I think it's a good perspective and lens through which to view the world. I also just like the story, and I don't like to necessarily see it as broken, but that we're just still, we're carrying it forward towards something. It's out there, that shalom. It's out ahead of us, inviting us forward, and we get to be a part of that. We get to co-create, we get to join in the process, we get to be who we are, and little do we know that us just being who we are helps us take the world steps closer towards shalom every day, always. Like you being who it is you are. So I'm going to leave blank, blankness up there right now. Um, so I have this story to tell you. It's a pretty great story, I think. Um, Ann and I, back in the day, we decided that we would create a, a day camp for, for kids here locally. One summer, we were like, let's just do this. Let's create a day camp. Like the rec center does a lot of stuff. We'll just do it one week in the summer. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have kids come. They'll sign up. We don't know how many. They're going to pay to be a part of it. We're going to create this awesome thing. And we started it right around 9 a.m. I think we closed it up around 4 p.m. And I have one word to sum up that week. Exhausting. <laughs> Literally exhausting. Longest days ever. I mean, 11 a.m. took forever to come. And you were like, it's only 11. Like, will they eat lunch for three hours? Can we get them to do that? And you, have you seen kids eat lunch? It's like five minutes tops, you know, like five minutes. And then they're back at it. Oh, my gosh. Such a long week. I can't tell you. There was one day, though, that stands out in my mind. One day. One day they showed up, and our whole objective that day was to tell them that they were creative, that they're a creative creature, that they possess a creative spark inside of them, and it's good to fan that flame, right? And then, so what we did was we gave them different supplies. We had ropes and buckets and all kinds of interesting things, and we busted them up into like five teams, and then we opened the doors to the building we were in that led to the woods, and we said, go. Go, little creative creatures. <laughs> Build forts. Oh, my gosh. That day flew by. That was an amazing day. It was like, whoa. Oh, whoa, it's 1.30. we got to stop for lunch. And then we went to lunch, and they sped through lunch. They did their five minutes. And then they're like, can we, can we go back and keep building? Can we go, you know, can we get it back out there? Can we get back at it? Those students loved to create those forts. Now, try and sit them down and read a story to them or give them some kind of structure. It was not happening on the other days. But man, when you just said, go make it happen, go dream it, go build it, go create, they were all over it. We worked with students for a long time. And I learned if you would just get some supplies together and call it something and put them in their hands, that was the best. That was the best. Give them a bunch of empty balloons, like not filled up with air, stick them in the center of the room and be like, here's a game. Boom. And they just roll with it. We made them do like snow sculptures. 
we would like bring in buckets of snow and give them tools and be like, create something. Awesome. Like there's 30 minutes, students just add it. We gave them one time, we gave them a bunch of gum. We were like, here, chew all this gum. And aside from their jaws hurting, like they were like chewing all this gum. We were like, now build something out of the gum. <laughs> Create a gum sculpture. And they did it. And they loved it. And it was incredibly creative stuff. I was never, never like not amazed at what those students could come up with. One year, I took students um, to uh, Lake Shasta in California. And, and we were dying for a game to like pass the time because we're on these boats for a long time. And we take away all their devices and everything so there's no distractions. It's just the sun, the water, and each other. And they came up with this game, Spoons. You guys know Spoons, right? You go through the cards, when someone gets four of a kind, you have to grab a spoon or you're out of the game. So what we did was we took a noodle, one of those fun noodles, and we made it into a circle and we put it out in the water and then we put like empty cans inside the ring, so they're floating out there, and we're all up on the boat. When you got four of a kind, you had to jump off the boat, swim out to the ring, and grab an empty can. Like, ah, the creativity in these students. Mind-blowing to me. I love it, I love it. We're gonna talk about creative living. Chances are good, you've been told a definition of being creative that's pretty narrow, restrictive, and limited. So I'm just gonna, we're just gonna set the record straight just for a second. Creative living is not just about painting, drawing, pottery, and photography. You might have been told that at some point in your lifetime. It's definitely about one of those things. If you've been told that, you've also probably been told during your lifetime that you're not it. <laughs> that you're not good at being creative or that you don't possess what it takes to be creative. Because you can't paint, you can't draw, you suck at pottery, and you can't take a picture to save your life. Especially on your phones, horrible. Now, creative living is also more than music, dancing, performing, and fill in the blank. Whatever you've been told. I do believe creativity is artistic. But you've probably been told that artistic is relating to music and dance, performing, drawing, painting, any of those things. So I want to set the record straight for you guys tonight. We want to define creative living just a little differently here. And so I'm going to read something to you out of one of my favorite books. I've mentioned it before. If you haven't read this book, Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert. This is a good read. I just put it in the hands of some students going off to college. Read this book. Here's what she says in here about creative living. I want you to hang in there with me for a minute while I read it to you. She says, when I talk about creative living here, please understand that I'm not necessarily talking about pursuing a life that is professionally or exclusively devoted to the arts. I'm not saying that you must become a poet who lives on a mountaintop in Greece, or that you must perform at Carnegie Hall, or that you must win like some kind of film festival entry. Though if you want to attempt any of those feats, by all means, have at it. I love watching people swing for the bleachers. No, when I refer to creative living, I'm speaking more broadly. I'm talking about living a life that is driven more strongly by curiosity than by fear. 
All right. So I'm going to put that up here for you guys. I'm talking about living a life that is driven more strongly by curiosity than by fear. And she's got a story here that I want to share with you guys because I love it. I think it's great. She said, one of the coolest examples of creative living that I've seen in recent years, for instance, came from my friend Susan, who took up figure skating when she was 40 years old. To be more precise, she actually already knew how to skate. She had competed in figure skating as a child and had always loved it, but she'd quit the sport during adolescence when it became clear she didn't have quite enough talent to be a champion. Ah, lovely adolescence, when the talented are officially shunted off from the herd, thus putting the total burden of society's creative dreams on the thin shoulders of a few select souls while condemning everyone else to live a more commonplace, inspiration-free existence. What a system. For the next quarter of a century, my friend Susan did not skate. Why bother if you can't be the best? Then she turned 40. She was listless. She was restless. She felt drab and heavy. She did a little soul searching the way one does on the big birthdays. She asked herself, when was the last time she'd felt truly light, joyous, and yes, creative in her own skin? To her shock, she realized that it had been decades since she'd felt that way. In fact, the last time she'd experienced such feelings had been as a teenager back when she was still figure skating. She was appalled to discover that she had denied herself this life-affirming pursuit for so long, and she was curious to see if she still loved it. So she followed her curiosity. She bought a pair of skates. She found a rink, and she hired a coach. She ignored the voice within her that told her she was being self-indulgent and preposterous to do this crazy thing. She tamped down her feelings of extreme self-consciousness at being the only middle-aged woman on the ice with all those tiny, feathery nine-year-old girls. She just did it. Three mornings a week, Susan awoke before dawn, and in that groggy hour before her demanding job began, she skated, and she skated, and she skated. And yes, she loved it as much as ever. She even loved it more than ever, perhaps. Because now as an adult, she finally had the perspective to appreciate the value of her own joy. Skating made her feel alive and ageless. She stopped feeling like she was nothing more than a consumer, nothing more than the sum of her daily obligations and duties. She was making something of herself, making something with herself. And then she kind of gets to the end and she says, you know, and while, while the paths and outcomes of creative living will vary wildly from person to person, I can guarantee you this, a creative life is an amplified life. It's a bigger life, a happier life, an expanded life, and a hell of a lot more interesting life. It's a pretty good book, I'm telling you guys. And that's like in the first like 12 pages. It's worth your read. So creative living is living a life driven more strongly by curiosity than by fear. Definition by Phil. This was my definition before I read the book. I was trying to come up with something, and then I was like, no, nah, I bet she says it somewhere in there. Creative living is setting your head, heart, and hands free to love. To truly, truly love. Creative living is about our roots. For me, growing up with a Christian perspective, I see it as something like, it's almost like I'm tapping into an ancient, sacred calling. Creative living, it's like why we're here. We inch this world forward toward shalom by being who we are and following our curiosity 
and stepping out towards our passions and doing these things. Things that at oftentimes sound ridiculous and foolish. And like, if you've ever been like me, I mean, I've heard it said to me before from across the table. You can't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, dang. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, I can. I mean, I might not be good at it or it might fail, I guess. And oftentimes what I've found in my own life, and I'm not sure if this is true with you or not, the one thing that tends to stand in my way of creative living is this thing called fear. Fear, ah, dang. Me and fear, we go way back. <laughs> like way back, we're really tight. And um, I've had fear silence a lot of my creativity. And I don't know if that's you too or not. I recently posted a video on Facebook of Jim Carrey. It's not the one we watched last time. All of, all of a sudden, Jim Carrey is like in social media. Have you seen this? Like the most recent thing, well, I'll, wait, let me back up. I'm gonna say something good first, then I'll say the something bad second, is that cool? So let's come over here. I posted this video about Jim Carrey recently, and it's him giving a graduation speech at a school. And he launches into this whole thing about love and fear, that literally we live from one of these two places during our lives. And he starts to say, you know, I think a lot of us settle for a conservative lifestyle that's disguised as practicality. We're afraid. And we live from a place of fear and make a lot of decisions from that place. And he says, my father, he fully believes that his father could have been a famous comedian, but his father didn't risk it, didn't step out into it, and he became an accountant instead. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe he's a funny accountant. But he became an accountant, and then he said at the age of 12, Jim Carrey remembers his father losing that safe, practical, secure job. And then his family ended up doing whatever they could to make ends meet. As a lot of families do. He said the life lesson he learned from his father and all of that was, you can 100% fail at what you don't want to do. What a lesson. When I watched the video and I heard him say that, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, that's so true. And so he told this graduating class, so here's what I would encourage you to do. Live from a place of love, not fear, and step out and risk to do what you want to do. Chase after your curiosity. Go down that path of creative living, and you might fail, but at least you failed at what you wanted to do rather than what you didn't want to do. Not to break that up and interrupt the whole vibe of what we're doing. The last post I saw about Jim Carrey today was for a movie he's going to be in. And he's got a huge beard, and he said that he had just taken a whole package of mushrooms, and he was trying to trap himself in his head and go deep so that he could play this character in this movie he's going to be in coming up. So I'm just saying, there's a lot of social media out there with Jim Carrey right now. Um, with that said, Fear and love, and this whole definition of creative living and being propelled and, and pushed and nudged forward by curiosity and love rather than 
Fear. Fear is an interesting thing, and it can silence so much of our creativity. So much of our creativity. Now, I want to share a quick story with you guys because we're getting there, and then I'm going to read to you something about fear. But I, my oldest son is going into high school, and that's pretty wild to me. Um, I never thought I would be here, like in life. You know all those moments you come up on and you didn't realize that you would actually get there and that it would actually be your turn? <laughs> and um, I'm at one of those places, and it's very, very interesting. I have three boys, and people are like, oh, my God, how do you afford that? <laughs> Between medical bills and mouths and to feed and all kinds of things. And what's funny is I still remember looking at my Uncle Joe when I was working for my dad, who's done construction his whole life. I can't build anything to save my life, but my dad is amazing with his hands. And I worked for my dad, mainly filling nail holes and cleaning up his job sites because they didn't want to put a hammer in my hands. And I looked at my Uncle Joe and I said, you know what, I'm going to try and find a way to live without money because I hate this stuff. I really do. Like, money is like one of those necessary evils for me. That's how I feel about it. I just I don't enjoy this stuff. I would be in real trouble if I won the lottery. I would be like, oh, no. <laughs> what do I do with this stuff? <laughs> like, start giving it away. But money. And I'm standing here now at 39 with a son who's going into high school, two other boys, a wife, a home, bills. Ugh so much, and I'm looking back over the majority of my life, because one time I remember my uncle saying, so how's it going? <laughs> that whole living without money thing, huh? And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good, you know? Like, I mean, the interesting thing about my life is the majority of my life, I've depended on the generosity of others. It's an interesting way to live, but that's where I find myself. Now, making ends meet can be tough, but it's definitely the way I want to live, right? That's something true to me and my DNA and who I am. It's something for me that like embraces creative living from my person. And I've got to figure that out and piece it all together. And I'm going to tell a quick story. But the other day, I mean, I have such random things come across my desk. Like, I don't have a desk, but like, if you imagine that I had one, <laughs> like, <laughs> they come in front of me. And it's like, so I got an email today, today. Hey, Phil, do you want to be our DJ for the first day of school at Breckell? Like, we want to have a DJ at school for the first day. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, I used to be a DJ. So, but I sold that stuff. I'm not in the biz anymore. And uh, so I send them back something anyway. Yeah, I'm going to DJ, like, opening day at school. All right, that's pretty cool. Like, we get some interesting, like, little things come across our imaginary desk. And she takes some photos. She's good at it. She can stand in the same place where I stand, hold the same camera, press the same button. Her picture's better. I don't know how she does it. 
something she's got, right? And so she gets a call and she's like, hey, can you take pictures of this? Can you, can you do this? Can you help us with this? Can you post this? She's like, sure. Yeah, I'll do that. She also got a call last week to help people set up a website. Yeah, let me do it. This is like kind of the place from which we live. And, and I remember this week and some of these things coming across our, our path and our attention. And we're talking about that thing I hate, money. Oh, man. If there's anything that shuts down the conversation for me faster or creates tension, it's that word. And we're talking about some bills and we're talking about some stuff. And we've got some parents who are in town. And we've got some other parents that are in town now. And we secretly hope they're going to buy us groceries. And then, like, <laughs> but what's so funny is we were having this conversation driving in the car. Anne had just helped out with a couple of things. I had just helped out with a couple of things. And we get home and we were just talking about that whole word savings and things like this. And we come into the house. On the table is a card. It's got her name on it. And she opens up the card, and the card says, thank you so much for helping, for doing this, blah, blah, blah. Inside the card are two gift cards to City Market for $100 each. Nan takes the card, and I see her, and she doesn't think I'm seeing her, but I see her, and she starts crying, and she goes to the bedroom. <laughs> and it's so interesting because my life, my, my controlling impulse, my DNA says, like, work really hard. <laughs> um, nothing's going to be handed to you. Nothing's going to be given to you. You know, all the things we hear all the time. I feel like it's, like, in us. And, and it goes against my grain, you know, to kind of live off of the generosity of others, but I believe in it. I really do. And that for me is the, the ultimate risk. It's really the ultimate risk. And I don't know where you stand with like God and the divine and any of that, but here's what's interesting to me. Most of the time when I'm 100% in control and I can buy whatever I want and I can do whatever I want, I never see God show up in any real cool way. That day when we walked in and saw that card on the table and opened it up, it was like God saying, go ahead, risk it. Take the plunge, take the leap, live creatively. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I don't know what stands in the way for you when it comes to creative living. I don't know what your creative living looks like. I know we've got someone in here who recently did a half Ironman. I know we've got some people in here who love to write. I know we've got some people in here who are creative with their business. I know we've got some people in here, like, I don't know, where's your creative living? Is it on the stage? Is it in the kitchen? Is it at the cubicle? Is it with the real desk? Is it like, I don't know, is it on the ice? Is it in your head? Is it with words? I'm not sure. I'm a two on the Enneagram. We're gonna dive into that later this year, what the Enneagram is. One of the things that two can do is walk into a room and sense if something's off. Like I can walk into a room and I can be like, oof, do I wanna turn around and leave? <laughs> Cause it feels heavy in here. But the tunis in me wants to bring the place up. I wanna like do something. And so I realized that part of my creativity and part of my ongoing creation in the world are these words that come out of my mouth. And my ability 
to take a room from here to here and bring people up and try and help lift their spirits and their hearts in a positive way. Maybe your creative living is done through words. Maybe it's done on paper. I don't know. There's so many different things that you could put your hands and your head and your heart to. And I guess tonight, I just want to tell you, you're always going to have that fear. Fear never leaves. A lot of people are like, become fearless. And if you're the person who has really kicked fear's butt like that, come talk to me afterwards. Because like, I've never been able to do it. Fear's like that constant companion. <laughs> and especially when it comes to creative living, like the minute you want to risk anything, fear's like, don't do that. Come on now. But at some point you just have to say, look, you were cool when I was gonna jump off that cliff, you told me not to do it. Thank you, thank you. When it comes to me risking myself creatively in this world, fear can just take a back seat. Because I can fail at that. I can learn from that, I can grow from that, I can become more for that. And I believe that we need more people doing what they love and what they care about because you're truly alive, you're truly free, and you bring all of us up when you're in that space. Now, I'm not saying that has to be your job. She was figure skating. She had a job. She wasn't gonna become a pro and like tour the circuit. I don't even know if they have one, but you know what I mean? Like she wasn't gonna do that. She wasn't gonna join the ice capades or anything. Like she was just doing something that made her feel alive. I had Anne look at me one time in the past three years. And she was like, you need to quit that job. I was like, but money, <laughs> you know, like, but money. And she goes, we'll figure that out. I need, and our boys need a father who's alive and who's present and who's connected to his heart. We need that from you. Stepping into creative living, whatever that looks like, whatever it might be. I wrote down a bunch of things here, but I'm not going to say it. Like I had this guy named Richard Cooper who hung out with me when I was in high school. Richard Cooper was amazing. Richard, if you're listening to this, you're amazing. But I'm going to tell him to listen to it now. Richard Cooper, me, skinny little white boy, Richard Cooper, huge big black guy, awesome. And I was in middle school, and he was an adult, and we hung out. He like took me under his wing, and Richard Cooper's thing was this, his car. This is where he like thrived, man. This is like where he put his energy and what he chased after and what he pursued and what he made his thing. This is where he lived creatively. He bought a car and he decked it out. He lowered it. He put the wheels on it, he bumped them out, he tinted everything, he blacked out his headlights, his brake lights, he put in a stereo. This is the guy's car, you sat in the car, you literally, I mean, if there were high notes, they didn't exist. Because like, his car just made, it was like a vibrating car, it was amazing. And this was Richard Cooper, this is what he like went after. I know a Sky alum student right now, we bumped into him, we were walking downtown. He drove by and he saw us, and I haven't seen this kid in forever. And he pulls in and he hops out 
And we know that he's still very creatively pursuing things because he makes all kinds of sculptures. And Anne immediately said, so is that what you do now for a job? I just see like all these sculptures that you make. And he goes, no, it's just what I do, like, you know, my spare time. But it's what makes him come alive. He's not doing it for the money. He's doing it because like it's what he needs to do to free his head and his heart and his hands toward love in this world. So, creative living. Rediscover your ancient calling. Come alive. Help us step forward toward shalom. When you're alive, it rubs off on me. I mean, you've been around those people, right? When they're really good at what they're doing, whatever it is. We went to Waterworld the other day with our boys. Bunch of high school students, right? Working hard. <laughs> Have you been to Waterworld? Anybody? Mm -hmm. See, that joke falls flat. <sighs> anyway, you know, they're standing around their red trunks or their red suit. You know, sometimes they blow a whistle, whatever. Like, and they help you into rafts and out of rafts, and they splash you with water when you don't want to be splashed with water. But like there was this one kid there who's working and you could tell he was loving it. He was loving it. And for that moment, like it lifted me. It was amazing. Had a conversation with the dude and it was like, yes, all right. Yeah, I will enjoy this ride. You have fun too, man. You, yeah. You know, and like in that small little exchange, what happens to the world when we're talking about shalom? right? I want you guys to listen to her words to close us out. I could not write anything as well as she says it here. So she says this, so this I believe is the central question upon which all creative living hinges. Do you have the courage to bring forth the treasures that are hidden within you? Look, I don't know what's hidden within you. I have no way of knowing such a thing. You yourself may barely know, although I suspect you've caught glimpses. I don't know your capacities, your aspirations, your longings, your secret talents, but surely something wonderful is sheltered inside of you. I say this with all confidence because I happen to believe we are all walking repositories of buried treasure. I believe this is one of the oldest and most generous tricks the universe plays on us human beings both for its own amusement and for ours. The universe buries strange jewels deep within us all and then stands back to see if we can find them. The hunt to uncover those jewels, that's creative living. The courage to go on that hunt in the first place, that's what separates a mundane existence from a more enchanted one. Your life is short, rare, amazing and miraculous. And you want to do really interesting things and make really interesting things while you're here. I know that's what you want for yourself because I know that's what I want for myself too. It's what we all want. And you have treasures hidden within you, extraordinary treasures, and so do I, and so does everyone around you. And bringing those treasures to light takes work and faith and focus and courage, and hours of devotion, and the clock is ticking, and the world is spinning, 
and we simply do not have time anymore to think so small. Amen. So until next time, I want you to step out into creative living. Whatever it looks like for you, even if it's a small step, even if it's a small step, and when you hear that voice of fear, when it comes up, you're not jumping off a cliff, you know? You're not like, it's not reckless living, it's creative living. <laughs> like it's creative living. You can stand to risk if it means that you'll be alive, if it means that you'll be connected to your heart. Just adventure inward and try and find out what it might look like for you to take a step forward in creative living, a small, tiny step forward. For me, it's large in part this entire night and the whole organization more to life. This has been like two and a half years in the making right here. And I can't thank you guys for showing up and like telling friends and spreading the word. We went down to Waterworld, like I mentioned, and we bumped into some people that were locals here that I hardly ever have contact with. Crazy, right? In such a small area. But anyway, a guy came up to me and goes, how's it going? I said, oh, it's going good. And he goes, hey, so I'm listening to your stuff. And I was like, what? And he's like, the, the, um, that, that podcast thing, that thing. And I was like, really? You're listening to that? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it, man. Such good stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, that's awesome. I was like, it doesn't always make sense, does it? He's like, no, because you're like talking about things that I can't see, but that's all right. Like, I listen anyway. And so we chatted it up for just a little bit. But in the coming weeks, I'm going to put this plug out there for you now, just so you know. Every year, More to Life, we raise money one time a year. That's what we've decided we're gonna do. And 15% of it, we're gonna blow it on generosity experiments. We're gonna try and give it back somehow or make something cool happen, like for locals or for people far away or whatever we can do. You're gonna get a letter in the mail. I'm telling you this because I want you to know that More to Life will never be the kind of thing where like, I want any of you to feel the pressure to give to More to Life, right? I, I really believe in that. We write, we write grants <laughs> and, and we do some fundraising and we talk to people. I mean, I get money from people who don't live here who believe in this thing because they want me to live creatively and like interestingly in the world. So. You're gonna get a letter and it's gonna spell out a really cool story that I wrote on the first page. And then Anne gets really specific with the details because she's awesome at that. And she says like, here's what more to life is. Here's what we're dreaming about. Here's what we're thinking. Here's where it could go. And then on the back page, there's a budget because we want that to be like crystal clear for everybody to see. You can see exactly what it means. I have had people tell me you know, Phil, this, this, this more life thing, I don't know that you should do it. And the biggest fear, of course, that stands in my way is, you know, that money thing, that awful money thing. But next year, we're gonna dive headfirst into more to life. Starting in September, we feel very comfortable. Well, no, let me take that back. We feel very excited. Is that a better word? <laughs> to dive 
more and more into this more to life thing and to pursue what it could look like and to see what can happen. And we've had people speak to us and talk to us and we're very excited to kind of dive more into this. So be on the lookout for the letter um, and just like how to get people connected to the podcast or how to get people like hooked into it just so they can be a part of this or join it. And if you ever want to give to more to life, that's your time to do it with the letter. Don't worry about later on in the year or anything like that. Like, that's your time. Because we had a job where we fundraised what felt like year-round. That was hard. We're just doing it once. <laughs> and then we're going to ride the wave for the rest of the year. Anyway, creative living. What does it look like for you to be driven more strongly by your curiosity and your love than your fear? Because you can always fail what you don't want to do. It's very true. So why not step out and possibly succeed or fail at what you love to do, right? All right. We've got more dessert in the back. I'm going to play the music. If you bought a tiger card from Silas, he's back there. He's waiting. He's excited. And we will see you next time. Wait, wait, wait. Ann told me to announce one last thing. More to Life is moving to Wednesday nights during the school year. It's during the middle of the week. It's still 7 to 8, and it's on a Wednesday night during the middle of the week. So that's where it'll be, like, beginning after this. We've got posters coming, things to put up around the community and all that fun stuff. August 28th, if you're coming to talk with people and hang out with us to make bracelets, that's Monday. It's right around the corner, 5 to 7 in Frisco. Text us, come. Have fun. It's going to be awesome. All right? Until next time, we'll see you then. All right. Have a good night.